Praise the Lord, everybody. Praise the Lord, everybody. God is so good. Excited to be here this morning. Tell you a quick story. So, three guys, they they went hunting. There was a doctor a lawyer, and a pastor. And they're out there. They're going for big game elk. They're, they're, going, they're going big time. They're in Montana. They come across the path. This beautiful six-by-six six bull elk walks right across them. And they all lift up their rifles, and they shoot it at the same time. Elk drops dead. Bang. Doctor's like, I shot it. Lawyer shot it. Said, no, no, I shot it. Pastor's like, no, no, I know I shot it. Everybody's talking, blah, blah, blah. They're arguing who got it. And the doctor says, hey, listen, I'm going to go up. I'm going to look at that elk, and I'm going to tell us who shot it. They're like, how are you going to do that? Say, hey, listen, I'm a board-certified surgeon. I'm going to take a look, diagnose that elk, and I'm going to tell us who shot it. So we're like, Okay. So he goes up to it, looks down, looks over, looks down. He says, yep, the pastor shot it. He said, well, how do you know? He said, because the bullet went in one ear and out the other. <laughs> and <laughs> sometimes, you know, we be bringing stuff that goes in one ear, out the other. I pray today that what we, <laughs> what we talk about today won't do that. Won't be like that bullet. Let's pray. Father in heaven, you are so amazing. We just want to settle down and thank you for your presence here this morning, Jesus. We lift you up. We, we enthrone you. We, we exalt you. You alone are worthy and we praise and honor and are just so excited you're here. Spirit of God, we ask that you would move through this sanctuary. Just touch hearts. Prepare our hearts for the word and prepare my heart as I bring it. And everything that we do, let everything that we do be to the glory of Jesus, who will glorify the Father so the world will know us by our love. We ask that you do this in your name, Jesus. We all said together, amen. We are living in very interesting times. A lot happening. A lot of things are being said. A lot is going on. 
I'm not going to list them all. You probably are getting it on your Facebook feed or Yahoo feed or whatever you feed. It's real interesting about these, these news feeds, if you're not careful, they will continually give you the things that interest you. News that you receive through the internet, if you allow it to and you are not purposeful, will feed you the things that the algorithm has figured out you like to see. I don't know if you've been watching television at all, but Facebook is actually, the whistleblower actually exposed that. They said, hey, we recognize there were certain types of feeds that attracted people, even if they were negative, and so it continually gave you those things. And we shouldn't be surprised that that occurs, because actually the Bible tells us that that is something that if we're not careful, we'll find ourselves attracted to. We will find ourselves attracted to things that tickle our ear. Let's go to 2 Timothy 4, verses 3 and 4. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine... Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. Now, am I saying Facebook is a pastor? No. Am I saying Facebook is a teacher? No. But I am saying, if we're being honest, that a lot of the things that pastors preach and teach potentially align with the things that our ears want to hear. We saw a lot of that during the election season. There were things that were spoken from the pulpits around the country that aligned with certain people's ears, what they were itching to hear. And Jesus was saying, as I was preparing for this sermon, and please stay with me because my desire is not to judge you, but my desire is to try to expose what's happening in the earth so that we begin to see things the way Jesus sees things and we begin to operate the way he wants us to operate. Because let me make sure we're clear about something. Jesus' point of view is the correct point of view. And to the degree my point of view aligns with him, we're cool. But if my point of view doesn't align with Jesus' point of view, I'm wrong. Let me say that again. If my point of view does not align with Jesus' point of view, I'm the wrong one. I'm the one that's out of line. I'm the one whose doctrine isn't where it should be. But I can tell you right now, we live at a time where people are less concerned about Jesus' point of view, and they want to make sure you're clear about their point of view. And they want you to agree with their point of view, whether it aligns with Jesus' or not. 
And so there were three things that, got, that I think Jesus put on my heart. Stay with me as I try to fly this plane to help us see things the way he sees them. Because if we're going to be on his team, we have to see things the way he sees them. If we're going to be on Jesus' team, we need to understand his playbook. And I can tell you right now, when you look around what's going on in the earth today, there's a lot of people that are on their own playbook, doing their own playbook. You can see it by their fruit. You can see it by what's coming out. And Jesus is like, let's get on my playbook. There's something I want to get done in the earth realm. I want my body to come with me to get this thing done. Are you here this morning? Are you here this morning? I got to know you're here this morning. So the first thing that Jesus was saying is that, hey, Austin, it's important that your point of view is from my point of view. Let's go to Ephesians 2, verse 6. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Stop. Jesus has a point of view. He is in heaven. He's looking down on things. I don't know if you've been to the State Fair. One of the rides I really love is the Sky Ride. You know that one that you get in, and it takes you up, and you go uh, down to the State Fair, and you come back down. The reason I like that ride is because up there, you get a chance to see everything that's going on at the State Fair. People walking around, eating corn dogs, see how they make stuff in the back. It's things that you don't necessarily see from the front of the corn dog shack, when you look in the back, you go, oh, that's what's really going on back there. <laughs> you see things from a perspective that you don't necessarily have when you're just walking around the state fair. Am I right? And Jesus is saying, hey, I have a perspective that the world does not have. And you are seated in heavenly places with me. But if you allow your perspective to be so worldly and earthly that you respond that way, you'll miss him. You'll miss his point of view. You'll miss potentially what he's trying to do. Okay, I'm, I'm going I'm to make, make it real. Today, in the, you know, in America, we see two points of view around a subject. I'm gonna, it might be, you know, kind of toxic, CRT. And you have one group talking about it like this, and you have another group talking about it like this. Well, you don't hear what I'm saying, and you don't understand what I've been through. You're trying to judge my heart, and you're trying to say what I'm, you know, and Jesus said, well, okay, ask yourself, Austin, has anyone said anything to me? This is what Jesus was saying to me. Has anyone said anything to me that offended me? Can I be offended by anything you say to me? Oh. 
Jesus said, am I concerned about anybody not listening to my point of view? Do I sit here and say, wow, they're not listening to my point of view, and I feel bad about that? Jesus was asking me this. He's like, no. He said, so then why, as a believer, do you allow yourself to feel that way? He said, Austin, why do you allow what somebody says about you to offend you when you know who you are in me? And why do you feel that someone isn't listening to your point of view when, in fact, it's really not necessarily about them listening to your point of view, but your ability to petition to heaven about what you want to happen in the earth? Why aren't you figuring this thing out? Why are you allowing yourself to be on the fairgrounds as opposed to up in the sky thing looking down? Jesus is calling his church to have a kingdom godly Jesus perspective about what's going on in the earth right now. And the enemy is very good. He understands, man, the enemy understands a couple things. You got to catch this. One, he understands the power of amplification and misdirection. I'm going to get your attention over here, and I'm going to amplify it and make it seem so big that you aren't able to do anything about that thing. Do you think Jesus is concerned about anything? Think about that for a second. Do you think Jesus is in there going, boy, I'm really concerned about this thing? Or that? No. He's the final word. He's the final say in the earth. I don't care what CNN says or Fox News or any other news feed you're getting. Jesus is the final authority in the earth. How do I know that? Because he told me so. He said, all power in heaven and earth has been given to me. He said it. I didn't. So he's either a liar or he's telling the truth. I believe he's telling the truth. And I believe the increase of his government shall be no end, which means there's going to be more Jesus authority in the earth tomorrow than there is today, and I need to step into that and not be concerned about what I see or being, uh, being offended or... You know, these are real issues that I'm talking about, but the question is, how are we looking at them? And I can tell you, based on the rage that I'm seeing, that we're not looking at it the way Jesus is. And it's time we start looking at things the way he does. Because he told us we were seated up there with him. We're there with him. So we should be, as believers, talking about things like he talks about them. Well, okay, Jesus, what's your position on, you know, how should we engage on this race thing? What's your thinking? And we should go to him and figure it out together. This is not a how we're going to deal with CRT message. Make sure we're clear. This is where are you looking at this thing message. And Jesus is calling us to, to elevate our thought process and our view as it relates to the things that we're dealing with in the world so that we can engage them like he does. Can I get a witness? The second thing Jesus was showing me is that, hey, man, Austin, when you look at things in the world, it's important that you look at them through the lens of mercy. 
Mercy is a lens. It is a way that you can view optically what is going on in front of you. Second Corinthians 4, 3 and 4 kind of tell us what we're dealing with in the world today. It says, let's go to three. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. Four. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ who is the image of God. Oftentimes, people do things, say things, operate in ways because their eyes are blinded. They don't understand God's ways. They don't understand God's truths. They don't understand God's revelation for their life. And if I look at those people through a judgmental lens, I'll be quick, real quick, to dismiss. How many times do we just dismiss people that we don't agree with or are doing certain things that we don't think are godly? Just dismiss. Part of the reason we dismiss is because the news feeds we're getting and the information that we're digesting are kind of telling us that that's what we should do with these type of people. Just dismiss them. Cancel them. <laughs> you think Jesus is concerned about being canceled? <laughs> like, you think Jesus sits up there going, whoa, better not say that because they're going to cancel me. I don't think so. I don't think Jesus, I don't think the resurrection in the life is concerned about a cancellation. He knows his word is final. But we see it happening, right? We see cancellation. And part of it is like, oh, we're just going to cancel those people. And, and part of it is God was showing me and said, now, you know, it's very important. The enemy can blind us in areas that we do not have revelation in or our minds have not been renewed in. So, yes, he's talking about unbelievers here primarily, but it's very important, church, that we recognize that we too can be in darkness or blinded to certain things. How do I know that, Austin? Well, okay. Historically, I know that there, are, there were church fathers men in the faith who preached the gospel, who were strong theologians who owned slaves. They didn't have a revelation about that issue because if they had, they wouldn't. But does that mean that they weren't going to heaven? No. But if I look at those guys through a judgmental lens as opposed to a mercy lens, then I'm going to miss it. I, Austin Coleman, would miss it. I should say, wow, Lord, they didn't have a revelation. Their eyes were not open to this issue. 
I need to pray that people's eyes that aren't, don't have a revelation of this get one. I have to pray about that. I can't judge it, speak against it. Oh, you're a hater, da-da-da-da-da. No, I have to pray through that thing. And if I don't have a lens of mercy towards it, then I'll find myself potentially being judged for my lack of mercy. Well, how do I get there, Austin? Take me to James chapter, no, James chapter 2. Because I love it, man. We've been talking about mercy. Man, it's a, it's a theme that flows through the house. Jamie's been talking about it. Pastor Jim was on it last week. Man, it's a theme. Speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom. Stop. We have to act as those who are going to be judged by the law. Now, granted, we're under grace. Praise the Lord. That doesn't mean you just act flippantly and say whatever you want. No, we should be very sober-minded in how we look at things. Verse 13, because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. We all got that one, but we pretend to miss the sentence before. The reason I want to be merciful is because I want mercy to be heaped on me. I don't want judgment to be heaped on me. And we're living in a time where people are judging and they're finding the consequences of their judgment and they don't understand that they're inside a spiritual law that if they just flowed in mercy, they see the breakthrough they want. Because breakthrough flows through mercy. Break, mercy is a release for heaven to get in your deal. God looks down on that and says, man, I want to get in that game, but man, he's judging. Whoa. Really can't get in that the way I want to because if I do, I'm going to have to deal with the guy that I'm trying to get a breakthrough for because I got to deal with him because he's judging. Are you catching this? It's easy to fall into judgment because we're right. I'm right. You're wrong. But what I really want is breakthrough. I don't want to necessarily be right. I want breakthrough to occur. Think about it. I don't, the reason we argue about being right or wrong is because I really want my position because I really want breakthrough. But if I go low and just, Lord, just mercy on this thing. I, I just mercy. Let you do your thing. Your will be done. I'm, you're God. I'm not. Let him do his thing. You will find you will get the kind of breakthrough you desire. And this, and this mercy thing, there's a lot of words that are translated mercy, if you go back and do the study. And one of the words that I like, it's a, it's, it's, it's a feminine word. It actually, it's like it, it, it is how a mother shows compassion for her kid. Now, mothers in here know that they have a compassion for their children that dads just don't. 
Let's re- I mean, let's just be real. I mean, you know, any, mo- any wife in here who has children know, like, yeah, man, sometimes my, my husband just kind of misses it on that. He's, I'm, I'm trying to get him to show mercy, and he's trying to lay down the law. I mean, it's just kind of, am I right? Who's, who's here with me? Is anybody agreeing, or am I, am I alone? I mean, you know, there is something about a mother's mercy towards children that is, that is not, you can't describe it. And there is, and, and the question I have for us today is how many of us look at the world, people that we interact with, certain issues that we're in with that type of mercy? Like when my kid drops something on the floor and it breaks and food gets all on my shirt, man, I'm not happy. I want to go, you know, regulate. And my wife is like, hey, 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 hey. It was an accident. No problem. I don't, don't, you know. Because I'm the dad. I want to, you know. Who's, I mean, am I the only dad like this in here? I hope not. Otherwise, I'm in trouble. I mean, but, 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 but mothers have a way of looking at that situation differently. They, they look at it with a heart of mercy. And the question I have for the church today is, are we looking at the world with that kind of lens? Is there a lens of mercy that when we see people doing crazy stuff, potentially stuff against us as believers, things that are taking the world this way or that way, are we looking at it through a lens of mercy, or are we just trying to judge them, have fire brought down, get rid of all these people so things can get right? How do you think Jesus is looking at it? Is, he, is, he, is Jesus ready to fight, you know, call down fire on all these people that are doing crazy stuff, or is he like, no, I've got to look? What's the lens that we're interacting with the world? What lens are we using? What lens are we using? Mercy is something that's given. I give mercy. It's not a feeling. I don't, it's not like, oh, I feel merciful. No, no, no. It's an action. I extend mercy to you. I choose to be merciful. I choose to interact with you through a mercy lens. I choose to love you even though you do some crazy stuff and drop the peanut butter on the floor and blah, blah, blah. I'm going to love you anyway. You got spaghetti sauce all over my shirt. I'm getting ready to go to work. I'm going to love you anyway. I'm just going to change my shirt and do it. I'm going to love you. I'm not going to get mad. I'm not going to get angry. I'm not going to try to regulate. I'm going to love you anyway. How many issues do we see today that we want to rile against versus extend mercy into. I'm going to let you put your own list together. But Jesus is saying, hey, look, once you're sitting up here with me and you're looking at things the way I look at them, second thing is you need to look at through a lens that I look at, and it's a mercy lens. Can I get a witness? The third point is that we should look at things in our life. Well, I should say, 
The question is, as we're looking at our life, are we more concerned about comfort or impact? We live in a, at least in America, we live in a very comfort-driven theology plane. I give to get, Lord bless me, Lord make sure everything around me is good, you know, blah, 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 blah. No, no, make sure we're clear about something. That's not bad. God blessing you and taking care of you is not a bad thing. It's a good thing. But when the decisions you make are more about you maintaining your comfort than you impacting for the kingdom, now we have something that you might have to rumble around a little bit. You might need to rumble about that with God. During the civil rights era, Martin Luther King wrote letters to white evangelical pastors in the South asking them, why aren't you getting engaged with this thing that we're trying to do down here? I'm sure these weren't bad men. I mean, we have to get out of this good-bad paradigm. That's the enemy that he uses that. You got to get out of the good-bad paradigm. It's really like, where are you in your continuation to be like Jesus? That's your, that should be your... That should be your litmus test. That should be your measuring stick. Where am I in relationship to how Jesus is functioning? If I'm not where he should be or he wants me to be, then I've got work to do. I'm sure that these pastors weren't bad men. I'm sure they saw on TV dogs being sicked on people and fire hoses being sprayed on people, and I think they probably didn't feel good about that. But the reason they didn't really potentially speak about it is because there was a comfort versus impact paradigm that they were dealing with. How am I gonna view, be viewed by this community that I'm pastoring if I come out against what they're doing? How's that gonna impact me? Could impact my, my church. They might call to have me removed. They might take away my, think about it. It's easy to sit back here and judge, but when you put yourself in a position where you're responsible for taking care of your family and something comes to you that you need to make a decision on, it can be a tough conversation you're having with Jesus. And a lot of times, we just don't want to have the conversation with him. Yeah, Lord, I'm good. Oh, I'll, I'll pray for them, Lord. I, I, I'm not going to say anything from the pulpit that might cause a stir because, well, I don't, I don't want to, you know, because I really am not thinking that my impact is potentially more important than my reputation or my livelihood. There's a story about a, a young pastor. He was, he was preaching over in a foreign country and he was arrested and thrown into jail unjustly, trumped up charges, and spent five years in jail. That's bad. Five years in a foreign jail, not good. But while he was there, he brought hundreds of men to Christ. Now, when I heard that story, my initial thought was, wow, Lord, like, how did he miss you? Like, how was that able to happen to him? 
Like, you know, if he was in your will and doing your thing, you wouldn't let something like that happen to him. He must have done something wrong because living a blessed life, that would never happen to me, living a blessed life. Hello? And the Lord began to say, hey, Austin, you man, you... He was willing to go wherever I was going to send him. He recognized that it being in his will, being in God's will, he would go wherever God had him go and however he had to get there. And so he gets arrested, goes into prison, and has an impact that is going to be eternal. But if he was the kind of pastor that was like, yeah, I'm not trying to do all that because, man, I'm trying to be comfortable, he would have missed his kingdom impact. Jesus never promised us comfort. Didn't promise it. I know we want to preach that, Zoe life, blah, blah, blah. No, he, didn't, he did not promise you ease. He promised you grace to get through anything you're going through. He said that he'll take anything you work for for his good. And so when we're looking at the situations we're around, we got to ask ourselves, how are we flowing? The first couple points, sitting with Jesus, looking at mercy, tends to focus on what I'm going to do. Like, I, I won't say this or I won't get engaged this way. The impact comfort is, whoa, I need to engage this way, and I don't want to. How many times are you at the gas station, the Lord prompts you to say maybe something to this person, and you go, ah, that guy's homeless. I don't know if I want to do that. Comfort. I'm at the, I'm at the store or the mall, and Lord puts it on my heart to say something to somebody. I'm like, well, but I don't know if they'll take what I'm saying. Comfort. I see something that I know is, is wrong, and I pray about it. And the Lord is saying to me, you need to say something about that at my job, but I might not do it because I could get fired. Comfort. And if you don't believe we're moving into a time and age where, as believers, we're going to find ourselves in more and more of those kind of situations, you're not, you're really not listening to what's going on. But here's the thing that Jesus was showing. He said, man, Austin, regardless of that, you have to know that if I am with you, I am more than the world against you. And so if I'm calling you into the prison, you got to believe there's going to be a grace for you to do that. If I'm calling you to stand up inside your workplace and talk about an issue that needs to be talked about, you have to believe that I'm going to be with you. And that you're going to be more than the world against you. It's time that we begin to believe what Jesus said. It's time that we believe what he said. He, he said, hey, look, you can lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. So if you're in the gas station and God is prompting you to pray for that homeless person who's having problems walking, pray for him. 
Now, if you're in your job and you can see that your boss needs to get saved so the scales can come off of his eyes and see the things that he's doing are not godly, pray for that man and seek an opportunity for him to get saved. Don't just gossip with your saved people about what's wrong with your boss. No, we're not called to do that. We're called to engage. And here's the thing I want to say, key part of engagement. It starts with prayer. Now, I love what Dave said a few weeks ago. He said, man, he wants, you, he wants us in the game. But the game doesn't start with you going out with a picket sign and start picketing for Jesus. Jesus doesn't need our picket signs. Jesus does not need our picket signs. He does not need us advocating for him. Think about it. I mean, Jesus is Jesus. What he wants is us to elevate him so that he can draw men to himself. And that starts with prayer. How many times when you see something on the news that you, don't dis- that you disagree with, do you just say, man, I can't believe that's happening again. I can't believe this, da, 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 da. I mean, how many times does that is the first thing that comes out of our mouth? First thing coming out of our mouth is judgment. Can't believe that. Politician this, da, da, da. I mean, first thing out of our mouth. And Jesus was saying, no. The first thing out of your mouth, if you're looking at it through a mercy lens, is prayer. Lord, man, we just extend mercy. These people don't know what they're doing. There are scales over their eyes. We pray that they'll be removed. Lord, who are other believers that we can come in together and agree that your will will be done in this issue? How many times is that our first response? Being transparent with you, that's not my first response. Typically, I'd be like, man, I can't believe this guy again. You can't believe these dudes. Are you serious? I mean, do these guys even know anything about And Jesus was like, yeah. You're walking on the fairgrounds, bro. You need to come up here. You need to come up higher with me. You need to begin to proclaim what I'm proclaiming. I'm not, I'm not speaking judgment over anybody. Because at the end of the day, my kingdom will come, my will will be done. I need you to pray that into that situation. And his will might not look like I want it to look. But as I said at the beginning, Jesus, <laughs> it's his will that's ultimately what's, what's up. Jesus is not an American. He's not. Sometimes I know we want to make him to be, but he's not. He's Jesus. He's King of Kings, Lord of Lords. It's his deal. To the degree that we align with him, fine. But if we don't, there's going to be a course correction. And some some people might not like the course correction that's going to come. But his will needs to be done. And if we truly believe that he has all of our best interests at heart, we can pray that without fear or concern. Man, Jesus wants us to be in the game, but he wants us to do it his way, 
his playbook, his flow. He wants us to come up higher with him. He wants us to flow with mercy, being the primary thing. Man, if there's one thing I land with you this morning, I'm praying it's that, that you begin to live a life with a mercy lens. There's so much power when you're quick to forgive, work with compassion, and begin to see Jesus' work. So important. And the last thing is a challenge to us today, and I'm going to ask you to stand. Understand? The challenge today is, as I'm looking at my life, will I choose impact over comfort? Will I go where Jesus tells me to go? Will I say what he tells me to say? Will I do the things he tells me to do? Or will I weigh it with how comfortable it makes me feel? I know that's an area that I need to work on. I'm very good at talking to you up here on the stage. But going up to a man in a gas station that I feel prompting for, man, I, I struggle with that. Just being real. I'm dealing with some young dudes, man. They tell me the stuff they do. I'm like, man, you don't know how much that encourages me. I had a, had a conversation with my man Nathaniel this week where he told me about a situation where he was in the store and the Lord just prompted him and he ended up ministering and working through. And I was sitting there going, man, praise God. I don't know if I'd done that, Nathaniel. But he's, you know, but he's... That's a young man, he will go where God tells him to go. I'm like, man, I need to be more like you, bro. God is calling us, Jesus is calling us to begin to view what we're seeing in the world, not through the lens of an itching ear where I just want to consume and deal and get things that make me feel the way I want to feel, but really begin to operate and flow the way he operates and flows. That we'll be people who see things through his lens, who, who operate with mercy, who are willing to be impactful players, not focused on what's good for me. And if you're here this morning and you're like, man, I don't even know this Jesus you're talking about. He wants to get to know you. He wants the, eye, the, the blinders on your eyes to fall off so he can see how much he loves you, that he died for you, that if something were to happen to you tomorrow, you'd know you'd be in heaven with him. Thank you, Jesus. So we're going to pray a prayer. Man, okay, thank you. I'm sorry, there's, 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 there's a lot happening here. There's a lot happening here. I can feel, man, yeah, yeah, thank you, Lord. I recognize that there's, this was strong word. And, and, and the Lord recognizes it, it was a strong word. But here's the thing that he's trying to help us understand. Man, there's grace for this thing. 
There's grace as we're on this journey. There's grace as we're beginning to move and be more like him. So this isn't a judgment about where you are. There's a grace on the journey. Who wants the grace for the journey? Raise your hand if you want grace for the journey. There's a journey that we're on. There's we're, it's glory to glory that we're on. We're all moving. We're all moving. God wants all of us to move with him. If you're stuck, he wants you to move. If you're moving too fast, he wants you to slow down. There's a, there's, there's a, there's a, there's a flow with him. And, 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 and what the house is about and what we're calling people into, what we're releasing people into is that journey of impact. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers. Come on, somebody. Woo, come on, somebody. That's the journey that we're on. Let me tell you something. If there was a leper right here and God told you to lay hands on him, I can understand if you might feel a little uncomfortable. I don't know if you've ever seen a leper, but man, that's an uncomfortable process. But if I know that Jesus is with me, I will choose impact versus the comfort. It's impact time, church. It's impact time. As Pastor Dave was talking about a few weeks ago, man, it's, it's time to get in the game. It's time, it's impact time. It's, let's go. Who wants to impact the world with me for Jesus? Hallelujah. It's okay if you didn't raise your hand. Spend some time about it. I'm praying you raise your hand next week. But I'm telling you, God wants to do it with us. He's not alone. We're not alone. He's with us. So, Lord, I just pray for your people. Lord, I pray for a spirit of, of humility as we work to recognize we're seated in heavenly places with you. Help us to understand what that means. Help us to understand how you see things, your perspective on things. Help us to get your view. And help us to live lives that extend mercy through a lens, Lord, of people who don't understand you, who don't know you, who are deceived. Help us to see, Lord, that you can impact their lives, and we want to align with that. And give us courage and boldness, Lord, to step out and be people of impact. People who are moving the world towards heaven. People who are making mountains look like heaven. That their jobs look like heaven. That their neighborhoods look like the heaven. That their homes look like heaven. Help us be impact people for you. And Lord, we're going to be mindful. We're going to be mindful to give you the praise and the glory because you are the final authority. And we're on your team. pray for you. 
May the Lord bless you. May the Lord bless you. May he be merciful towards you. May his face shine over you. And may he grant you his peace in your coming and your going. God's people said, amen. I want the prayer team's going to come up. If you are in need of prayer, don't be shy. If you're looking for a breakthrough or you need God to move, don't be shy. Come up. Let the prayer team pray with you. There is something that happens when people agree in prayer. That's how God gets stuff done in the earth. God is the locomotive. Prayer is the rails. A train can't move without rails. God needs to move in prayer. Amen. I pray God blesses you. Go in peace today and let the God of peace go with you. Amen.